between the different, uh, you know, the states of the different people. For example, إِلَىٰ رَبِّهَا نَاظِرَةً What's the opposite of that? Those people on the Day of Judgment, they're going to be looking at their Lord. They're going to look at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What did Allah say about the people, the opposite people, the people of the fire? I was thinking of... I was thinking of Many of the scholars, they mention this in the opposite That these people, they will be veiled 
mahjub, then there is a hijab, a barrier between them and Allah. And that Allah will not look at them. Allah will not look at them and Allah will not give them meaning Allah will not look at them with a look that brings them any benefit so some people ask on that question I know we're a little bit off topic but some people ask on that question but how is it that there are evidences that they will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there are ahadith but what it means is that they will see Allah but it will not bring them any good it will only increase them in punishment. Like when they're asked to make sujood, like when Allah said, rabbuka wal malaku and they're asked to make sujood, fala They're not able to make sujood. So the, whatever they see, it will just bring a disgrace upon them and a punishment upon them. What else did Allah describe the face as in Surah Ali Imran? On the day when some, feces, some faces will become bright or white And some faces will become black what will the, So Allah described again the brightness of the face This is the same as the ayah The brightness on the face uh, The hadith uh, That the ummah of Muhammad will be res resurrected they will be with the marks on their limbs and marks on their faces. Ghurran muhajjaleen is a description of horses originally. You describe a horse as agar and muhajjal, that the horse has the marks on its face, the white marks on its face and white marks on its, on its limbs. You have an audio problem. You got it? Okay. If you have a problem, tell me. We go back. No problem. So they describe like that, that they will have the markings on their face and the markings on their limbs from athar al-wudu, from the effects of making wudu. So you look at the contrast that's described between the people of Jannah and the people of Jahannam and how this surah is an excellent example of how Every ayah that is mentioned, there is an opposite mention for it. Everything that is mentioned. Wujuhun yawma idin khashia. Wujuhun yawma idin na'ima. Everything is, every single one has a contrast. Yes, Habib. Simahum fi wujuhihim min athar sujood. This one, though, is in the dunya, wallahu alam. Uh, it could be in the Akhirah, we have to go to the Tafsir. Like the one that comes to my mind is that it's the Simahum fi dunya the characteristic of the Sahaba, radiallahu anhum, how they, they were described in the Torah and the Injil. Torah. Uh, in the Torah, they were described like this that you can see on their faces, on their foreheads from sujood. How much sujood they've been making You can see the mark on their forehead But it's possible also There are so many times that you have these contrasting uh, examples Amilatun nasiba. They're working They're working, they're being made to work And they're tired and they're weary What's the opposite? 
Rabia. They've been making efforts, but their efforts are, they are pleased with them. Allah is pleased with their efforts, and they are pleased with their efforts. Uh, even the ayah in other places in the Quran also it's mentioned what will the people of, of Jahannam and many ayat that talk about the, the screaming of the people of the fire that they will scream at each other they will curse at each other as for the people of Jannah so here you can see the contrast the difference between the uh, between the different people and the contrast between the different people and you have the encouragement to work to be from those people because ultimately you don't want to be from those people who everyone in this dunya virtually everyone is making sa'i everyone is working for something sa'i is your efforts right you're making efforts it's working hard everyone is working for something you see people working for the dunya, see people working for fame, people working hard for things. But ultimately, you don't want your sa'i to be wasted. So that yawm al-qiyamah, your sa'i, it becomes haba and manthura. It becomes like dust. It's got no value to it. You want to be from those people who? Lisa'iha, radiya. They are pleased with the efforts they've made. لا خوف عليهم ولا هم يحزنون. They're not going to be scared of what is going to come. They're not going to be sad about what has passed. They're not sad about what's happened in the past. They're not scared about what's going to happen because they're content with what they've put forward. We mentioned in the khutbah today, and this is a good example of it. كلوا وشربوا هنيئا بما أسلفتم في الأيام الخالية. Eat and drink. Hani with pleasure, relaxed, enjoy yourself. Because of what? Bima asleftum, what you did before in the days that went by. Mujahid, he said, Nazalat hadihil That they used to fast in the dunya. And so Allah gave them every kind of food and drink and they had eaten and drinking to their heart's content in Jannah because they used to fast in the, used to fast in the dunya. We mentioned fiha aynun jariya that it appears that the word ayn here is not aynan wahida. It's not one uh, one spring that is in Jannah, but in Jannah there are Uyun. Fi Jannatin, wa Uyun. There are gardens and there are springs. So it seems to me, and Allah knows best, that the word Ain here is more like Ism Jins. It's more uh, a category of springs, not just one spring. That uh, there will be springs that are running, and these springs are described in Jannah. They don't have, they, they are not, uh, what's the word? They are not channels in the ground that have banks. Rather, they run upon the surface of the earth of Jannah. They don't run in a, like a hole, like a bank or a trench with banks on the side. They run uh, without, 
Ukhdud or without Akhadid, without uh, trenches or banks for the river that it runs in, it runs over the surface of the ground. And many times Allah described this in the Quran Tajri min tahtihim al anhar. The rivers will run from under them and underneath them. And we know those rivers, where do they start? They start in Al Firdaus because of the hadith wa minhu or the hadith. Uh, that the rivers of Jannah, all of them sprout from Al-Firdaus. Al-Firdaus, the highest place in paradise and the, the best of the places in paradise. We came to the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal. You're still struggling, Abdurrahman. You want to take some time to fix it or not? Okay. فِيهَا سُرُرٌ مَرْفُوعًا uh, here, one moment where we get uh, also translation as well. Here, Allah Azza wa Jal describes the surah. And the surur here are what they will recline upon and sit upon. And you could, you could translate it, we say the word sarir, now we use it for a bed. But really, surur is what you recline upon, right? It's what you lie down upon and you sit upon. And these are described as marfu'ah, raised up, raised up. Here, this being raised up, is it something which is uh, physical or is it something which is in status? Is it something physical or something which is in, uh, which is in status? Uh, but there is no need to, yani there is no need to separate between those two. We can take both of them. We can say that they are physically marfu'a, they are raised up high, they are elevated. That's a good word in English. Elevated. I'm trying to see what they used in the translation for it. Do they use the word elevated? They said couches raised high. Raised high or elevated. But also that they are high in status as well. That they are for people of a high position. And no doubt the people who are the people of Jannah, they reach a position which is a lofty position. وَأَكْوَابٌ مَوْضُوعَةٌ Akwab are obviously uh, the things you drink, things you drink from. Uh, here they call them, they're translated as cups. But they are drinking vessels. And there is a long discussion in fiqh al-lughah about the difference between a kub and a ka's. And that a ka's is more usually used for alcohol or Khamar, wine, um, and the difference between them. And it said that the cats is the one you can see through and the cool. And there's a lot of discussion about it, but we're not going to go too much into that. We're not going to go too much into that. It's said that the difference is that the kub is that one that you can't, um, it, whether it has a, a, um, a base to it or something like that. And it's said that whether you can see, see it or not, 
But Allah describes them as these cups as being mawdu'ah. Mawdu'ah means they've been put in their place. And the scholars of tafsir, they have a lot of discussion around this. Some of them, they related to this fiha aynun jariya. They said fiha aynun jariya. They related it to that. They said on the, on the side of where the rivers, where the springs flow, there will be cups placed along the sides. So the person can, the cup is placed out. You know like when you come to a, you come to a banquet or you come to someone's invitation and they've placed all of the cups, everything, the plates are ready for you, the cups are ready for you. Akwabun mawdu'ah. It's said that they will be placed by the side of the river. Some of the scholars of tafsir, they mentioned this. But it's more general than that. The ayah is more general. The ayah doesn't mention that it will be at the side of the spring. Rather, it mentions or it indicates that throughout Jannah, there are akwab, there are cups that are placed around Jannah for the people of Jannah to drink from. And we know the, uh, the rivers of Jannah, the river of milk, the river of honey, the river of water, the river of wine, the wine that doesn't make you intoxicated and doesn't make you feel ill afterwards. But there is something important to remember about Jannah. When we're talking about cups, we're talking about rivers and milk and honey and wine and water. Very important to remember what Ibn Abbas he said, there is nothing in Jannah from what is in the dunya illa al-asma except names for things. Which means that the milk in Jannah, you cannot compare it to the milk in this world. You can't think that, it's nice to think, okay, a river of milk that doesn't go, it doesn't go uh, bad, it doesn't go off. It's nice, but it's not what is in Jannah. It's not, what is in Jannah is much, much greater than that. But we are described with things we know. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the Qur'an in Arabic and He revealed it like we said لَيْسَ لَهُمْ طَعَامٌ إِلَّا مِنْ Allah revealed it in the language with the things the people know That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even when Allah said later on in the surah أَفَلَا يَنْظُرُونَ إِلَى الْإِبِلِ كَيْفَ خُلِقَتْ He didn't say أَفَلَا يَنْظُرُونَ إِلَى الْفِيلِ or some other animal which is amazing animals, the giraffes and the elephants and, you know, these different animals. He spoke to the people with what they know. The people to whom the Qur'an was revealed, what they knew, what they were, they understood and they knew. They knew these words like tari' shibrik, the, the thorny plant that, grow, that comes in the desert when the thorns go off, they call it tari'. They knew the camel, that's what they knew. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talk to us in what we understand. In Jannah there will be rivers of milk, river of water, river of honey, a river of wine. But they are not like what is in the dunya. They might have a resemblance to it, but they are not the same as what is in this world. Because everything in this world, everything in this world is cursed, right? The Prophet said, dunya mal'unatun mal'unun man fiha. Or ma fiha. Allah, 
He said that everything in this world is cursed. This world and everything in it is cursed. Except for the remembrance of Allah and what relates to it, or the scholar or the student. So ultimately, you can't compare what is in Jannah to what is in this world. وَنَمَارِقُ مَصْفُوفَةِ Ibn Kathir here, he says, قال ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما النمارق الوسائد وكذا قال عكرمة وقتادة والضحاك والسدي والثوري وغيرهم Ibn Kathir here, he says that the namariq that are mentioned here are cushions, pillows, wasaid. And that was the opinion of Ikriman, Qatada, Tahak, Suddi, and Thawri, Rahimallahu Jami'. That was the choice of Ibn Jarir, Al Tabari. And some of the. يعني, they said, this is one of the, the statements they said, there is shibhu ijma'i, يعني, almost consensus on it. يعني. You, or you don't see from the scholars of tafsir any other opinion, rarely, and you don't see anyone have another opinion on this, that the namariq, they are cushions, and they are masfufa, lined up in rows, it's from the word saf, like a row. They are masfufa, made up in, or lined up in rows. Wazarabi yumabathutha. They said Az-Zarabi Ibn Abbas عنهما, He said that this is Al-Busut Any the, the flooring, the carpet And this was the opinion of Al-Tahak And others Many of the early generations They said this They, uh, Ibn Jarir here, Ibn Jarir, uh, he mentioned a different explanation for it. But to get it, I'm going to have to find out. I'm going to have to bring it up. He mentioned a different explanation for it. It's very. It's not. It's not very far away. Any. It's not very far away. He said uh, that uh, it is tanafis, uh, and they are very similar. Bisati, any like something spread out, spread out upon the floor. And mabathutha. Mabathutha ibn Kathir he said Ay ha huna wa ha huna Liman arad al-julus alayha He said here and there like spread out Wherever the people want to sit They will find a place for themselves to sit Wherever they want to sit they're going to find a Carpet or a, a carpeting That is spread out for them A place for them to sit 
Additionally, we can mention on this also, is that this indicates that there will be many. Even this description here, all of these descriptions, فِيهَا سُرُرٌ مَرْفُوعَةٌ وَأَكْوَابٌ مَوْضُوعَةٌ وَنَمَارِقٌ مَصْفُوفَةٌ وَزَرَابِيُّ مَبَثُوثَةٌ All of this indicates how many there will be. Like they said here, يَدُلُّ عَلَى كَثْرَتِهَا There's going to be many. Because the way it's worded in Arabic, it's not worded that there will be one. You know, there's going to be a nice place to sit for some people. There's going to be some cups out for some people. It's worded in a way that there will be so many that you will ha- everybody will have a place from their heart's content to recline, a place to lie, a place to sit, a place to drink, a place to eat, all throughout Jannah, not in one place, but spread out, مبثوثة, spread out all over, هاهنا وهاهنا, here and there. What's the, the purpose of these ayat up to here? What's the desire behind it? It's to describe to you, first of all, Yawm Al-Qiyamah, what will be happening to a group and what will be happening to another group. And the contrast is very, very strong. What's going to be happening to one group of people? Amilatun Nasiba. Tasla Naran Hamiya. تُسْقَى مِنْ عَيْنٍ آنِيَةٍ لَيْسَ لَهُمْ طَعَامٌ إِلَّا مِنْ ضَرِيعٍ لَا يُسْمِنُ وَلَا يُغْنِي مِنْ جُوعٍ They're going to be in the hardest situation, weary, working, in the fire. They have a thorny plant for food. They have a boiling, uh, a boiling water to drink that doesn't give them any nourishment. It doesn't benefit them anything. Describing the people of Jannah, what will they be like? Because ultimately this place you are in now, this dunya you are in now, is a place of action. So now you have to choose. Am I going to do the actions of these people? Or am I going to do the actions of these people? And that's the purpose of this contrast. You think about Jannah, how easy it will be. You've heard about how difficult the dunya is. لَقَدْ خَلَقَنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي كَبَدْ We've created mankind in toil, hardship, Problems. Stunya is always meant to be a place of tests, problems, difficulties, hardships. You hear about Jannah, what do you hear? Everything is there for you, what you want. It's lying out for you. Many times Allah describes Jannah like this. The fruits of paradise will be near to you. It's not going to be far from you. You'll not have to reach out your hand to get something. Before it will, it will come to you. And look at the efforts you have to make in this dunya. Is there anything in this dunya for you? You just reach out your hand and you get it? Nothing. You have to work. You have to strive. You have to struggle. You have to toil. Have kebad. You have hardships. You have problems. But ultimately, when you remember the goal, you remember Jannah. You remember what Jannah will be like. You remember that. It does make this sa'i easier. It does make it easier. You feel easier. You go home and your house is not nice and you don't like how it is inside and you don't like your situation that you have and you look at your bank balance and it's low and the food is okay, so-so. But you know, you put up with it because you think about what it's going to be like there. And then you look at the people who have everything in this dunya. 
They have mansions and palaces and houses and cars and every kind of food. Many of them, not all of them, because Allah gives the dunya to who he loves and those he doesn't love. But many of them, not all of them, many of them are completely away from the religion of Islam. Non-Muslims or very far away from Islam. And you think that, you know what it is? This dunya doesn't matter. Leave it. What you get, alhamdulillah, we're blessed. We're not complaining about anything. We're very happy with what Allah has given us. We're very blessed to Allah. But you, you see this in Jannah because it makes you realize that that's what I'm working for. It doesn't matter about this life. Whether I get good, I will be thanks, grateful. And if I don't get, if I get difficulties, I will be patient. But Jannah is what matters. Then Allah Azza wa Jal describes... أَفَلَا يَنظُرُونَ إِلَى الْإِبِلِ كَيْفَ خُلِقَتْ وَإِلَى السَّمَاءِ كَيْفَ رُفِعَتْ وَإِلَى الْجِبَالِ كَيْفَ نُصِبَتْ وَإِلَى الْأَرْضِ كَيْفَ سُطِحَتْ Do they not look at the camels how they were created? Again we said here Allah Azza wa Jal revealed the Qur'an to a people The Quran is for everybody Because this message is for all mankind But it was revealed It was sent down upon a people Those people, people of Arabia at that time What they knew And you talk to people What do you talk to people? Like the famous Athar uh, Speak to the people with what they know Don't speak to the people with something strange That they don't know Speak to people with Things they can understand. The people who heard the Quran when it was being revealed in Arabia, those people, they knew that's what they recognized the miracles that were within the camel. And subhanAllah, the camel, wallah, there are ayat of Allah in, the, in how Allah created the camel. And I'm going to mention some of them. First of all, the strength of the camel, how strong it is. It's a very strong animal, right? It's not, a, it's not a weak animal. And yet this animal can survive on very, very little food and water and it can travel huge distances. It's extremely strong. It's an animal that you can load your goods onto and people onto while it's sitting down. As opposed to the horse and the, the donkey and so on, when you have, to, you have to climb onto it. Can you imagine trying to climb onto a camel? Very hard. <laughs> and you cannot, like, very difficult to climb up onto a camel. The camel sits, and even with a full load, I mean, it can handle very heavy weight. Bags and everything is on top of it. And with that heavy weight, this camel can, it can stand up. The benefits from the camel. Not just is the camel suitable for carrying all of these things, for carrying people. It can travel where horses and other animals cannot travel. It can travel through the middle of the desert in the heat and it can, it can travel for miles and miles and miles it can travel. But on top of that, what do they benefit from it? From the milk of the camel, the meat of the camel when it's slaughtered, even the urine of the camel. The Prophet ﷺ recommended 
for people with certain sicknesses, like uh, they had a problem with their stomach, and he recommended to, for them to take camel urine. But how do you, that's an interesting question, how do you take camel urine? You can't just take it like that neat, you can't. First of all, the urine of the camel, like the urine of all of the animals that is eaten, is not impure. It's tahir, it's not najis. So it's not impure. All of the animals you can eat. So the camel, the cow, and the sheep, and the goat, the animals that you can eat, the, the waste product of the animal is not najis, it's not impure. That doesn't mean you should go near it. Yani. It's just not impure. You don't have to like worry about it. This, you don't drink it like that. You, what did the Prophet say? Min abwaliha, min, al, min albaniha abwaliha. You drink from the milk and the camel urine. You mix, it's mixed together. It's mixed together. And you drink it as a medicine, not as a, yani, as a drink. Yani. As a medicine. And wallah, there are people, wallahi, many people. People are treating themselves for cancers. People treating themselves for very serious conditions like that. And treating themselves like that. From the urine of the camel. But there are instructions. You can't just take it like that. You need, there is a very nice uh, article we translated from a doctor. He described how should you use this medicine. It's a medicine. It's not a drink. It's a medicine. He described how to use this medicine, how many ml and how to keep it sterilized and clean and how to take the milk and what kind of camel and what age. There is an understanding to it. But the point is, look at the, how many things you benefit from the camel. And the camel, so many things that people benefited from. To the point that this ayah, أَفَلَا يَنظُرُونَ إِلَى الْإِبِلِ there were from the scholars who used to say to their students, they used to say to them, they used to say to them, أُخْرُجُوا بِنَا حَتَّى نَنْظُرَ إِلَى الْإِبِلِ كَيْفَ خُرِقَتْ وَإِلَى السَّمَاءِ كَيْفَ رُفِعَتْ They used to say, let's go out and look at the camel, how it was created, and look at the sky, how it was raised. And I just want to take a benefit from this. Wallah, sometimes you go outside. If you just open your eyes and look around you, you'll see so many signs from the signs of Allah. Just look up at the sky. Wallah, I remember in Mecca for a while they had a museum. They still have it, a museum uh, in the clock tower, which is a museum about the universe. You know, if you go there, they have a lot of things about the universe and the planets and the stars. Wallah, whenever you go and you look at the sky, you are just, your mind cannot even comprehend how huge this universe is. But this universe, in comparison to the kursi, is what? A ring in the middle of a barren plain. It's a tiny ring in the middle of the desert. You imagine if you went to the desert and you, in the whole huge desert, you threw one tiny ring. And the footstool, in comparison to the arsh, is like a ring in the middle of the desert. Wallahu Akbar. And Allah is greater than that. Subhanallah. You think about how huge this universe is. How is the heavens held up? How is, there, how is the oxygen held down for us to breathe? 
You listen to the scientists, wallah, ajib these people. They, some of them are atheists, the scientists, and they, subhanAllah, they explain things that if anybody heard them, wallah, they would accept Islam. How can they not accept Islam? They explain the conditions that have to be present for the atmosphere, for the air that you breathe. All these planets they found, they have no chance of life. There is too much of this, too much of that, a little bit out of balance, this is out of balance, this is not in the right temperature, that is not... Subhanallah. And Allah raised up the heavens. What did Allah tell us? For example, in Surah Al-Mulk, do you see any? Do you see any, any breaks? Do you see any gaps in the heavens? Do you look up at the sky? Like, you know, when you take a picture of something, and then you, t- you, know, you, ha- you take a panorama, you take another one and you have to cut it one place and another. You see the gap where one goes into the next. If you look at the sky, do you see any, you see any gaps, any patches, any bits that were sewn together? Allah, Allah, you see, subhanAllah, your eyesight like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, he told you that your eyesight will come back. It's going to come, your eyes are going to hurt from how much you look at the the, the universe and the sky and the heavens, you cannot see the end of it. Even they send us, they send us satellites and cameras and they go and go for hundreds of thousands of miles, they still can't see anything at the end of it. Because your eyesight is going to come back tired looking at the creation of Allah. How Allah raised up how Allah raised up the heavens. وَإِلَى الْجِبَالِ كَيْفَ نُصِبَتْ and the mountains. The mountains, how they are, and you know, about how they have been erected and made, placed tall, made to stand up. The mountains, wallah, there are many signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the mountains. And especially when you, you know, there's a very interesting point. Uh, some of the mashayikh mentioned this point, it's a very good point. They said that you know what happens to us We become fooled by what is normal to us You know if you live in Let's say for example You live in a, a country that has camels People, many camels And you know these big uh, mountains You know desert mountains You see them and you don't think anything of it Somebody comes there who's never seen a camel before. What do they do? They get out of their car, they take their camera, they start taking a picture. They're so amazed by it. And likewise, when you change, you look at the mountains in other regions. If you look at, you know, the documentaries on the Himalayas and you look at these huge mountains covered in snow. If you take the people from the desert and you put them in these huge snow-covered mountains, Allah, they see ayat of Allah, many signs of Allah in it. But the people who live there, what happens? They become used to it. They don't, 
it doesn't, it doesn't make them think. When you take someone to see the sea for the first time, they never saw the sea. They lived in a landlocked country. They never saw the sea. And they go to a place with islands, and on the islands there are beaches, and on the, there is beautiful blue water. They think already they're in Jannah. Because you, what happens is you become blinded by what you are used to. And you stop realizing how amazing the creation of Allah is because you become used to it. But when you see things that you have not seen before, then you are amazed by, by the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَإِلَى الْأَرْضِ كَيْفَ صُوتِحَتْ And to the earth, how the earth is spread out. How the earth is spread out and extended Now when we bring these things together When we bring these things together Some of the scholars of tafsir They spoke about the order here First Allah mentioned the camel Then he mentioned the heavens Then he mentioned the mountains Then he mentioned the earth Some of them spoke about this They said that Allah is Like he's describing someone Who is riding on his camel He looks at his camel First thing he sees is his camel Then he looks up to the heavens Then he looks down to the earth Or then he looks from the heavens And he sees the tops of the mountains And then he looks down to the earth Some of them mention this That it's like everywhere around him 360 degrees around him There are ayat from the ayat of Allah That are telling him That you have a creator and your creator has not left you without a purpose and a reason to worship him. So I'm not going to say that there is a, it's like that. But these things, if you imagine someone riding their camel and they look up and the heavens are above them. And they look forward and the mountains are in front of them. And they look down and the ground is below them. Every single one of those things is enough for a person to realize their Lord to worship their Lord alone and with no partner. And when you see these things, what's the purpose? Like Ibn Kathir, he said, Ibn Kathir, he described the purpose here. He was quoting, but he described the purpose. He said that it indicates what? He said, uh, I'll quote you the whole quote. He mentioned Al-Istidlal Bima yushahiduhu Min ba'irihi Alladhi huwa raakibun alayhi Wassamaa illati Fawqa ra'sih Waljabal illadhi Tujaha Walardi illati tahta Ala qudrati khaliqi Thalik Wasani'uhu وأنه الرب العظيم الخالق المالك المتصرف وأنه الإله الذي لا يستحق العبادة سوى. He said, it's the evidence in this for what a person sees from their camel that they're riding upon and the heavens that are above them and the mountains that are in front of them and the earth that is below them 
they see the vastness of the power of the Creator who created and fashioned these things. That He is the Lord, Al-Azim, the Great, Al-Khaliq, the Creator, Al-Malik, the Sovereign, Al-Mutasarrif, the one who controls everything. And that there is no God worthy of worship but Him and that He is the only one that deserves to be worshipped. And to be honest, this is the purpose of mentioning these things. And I just want to highlight a benefit. Uh, I want to, to highlight a benefit. When you're speaking to people who are atheists and you're trying to talk to them about Islam, there's a benefit in, in many ayat like this. Because the Quran has a methodology when it comes to what we call adillatun aqliyatun shar'iyya. Evidences that are logical, but they're also from the Qur'an. For example, أَمْ خُرِقُوا مِنْ غَيْرِ شَيْءٍ أَمْ هُمُ الْخَالِقُونَ أَمْ خَالَقُوا السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ بَلْ لَا يُقِنُونَ Were they created from nothing or are they the creators? Or did they create the heavens and the earth? They are not certain. So what we see from this is that when you are trying to speak to people who don't believe in God at all, you need to approach them with adillatun aqliya shar'iya, not adillatun aqliya mahda, pure logic. Because pure logic will not get you or them anywhere. Because the point is that you will never agree because the intellect is different. Al-uqul tatafawat, right? You have differences in intellect. So you'll never be able to discuss with pure logic. Just, you know, let me, you know, prove one add one equals two. Instead, you have to use the sharia, but you have to use the logical evidences given in the Qur'an. How does the Qur'an talk about this? There are logical evidences in the Qur'an. Those evidences take you through rububiyya to uluhiyya. From the idea that Allah is your Lord and Creator to the fact that you should worship Him alone. They don't suffice with Allah as your Lord and Creator. It brings the message of worshipping Him alone. In Surah Al-Ghashiyah, all of this, لِسَعِيهَا رَاضِيَةً It's all about worshipping Allah. عَامِلَةٌ نَاصِبَةً These people who are going to be in the hellfire because they didn't worship Allah. Allah invites them, look, use your mind. Look at the camel. Look at the heavens. Look at the mountains. Look at the earth. You have to conclude that you have a creator. Now once you have concluded you have a creator, now you have to ask, does that creator leave you without guidance? No. The people have to be given. Does a person think they're going to be left without just lost, random, just do what you want? So now the person has to investigate, okay, if I have seen in these things, I've seen that there is a Lord, there is a creator, now I have to investigate, what's my next step? Okay, now I have to worship him alone and with no partner. And this is the methodology of the Qur'an. The reason I mention this is because a lot of people in da'wah, when it comes to these things, they, they get lost. They either become completely you know, in logic and they start, you know, their da'wah is they're quoting Greek philosophers and Indian philosophers and numbers and logic and patterns and theories. And 
That's not how Islam is. Very, Islam called them very simple. Don't you look, just look at the camel. Now you tell me it doesn't have a creator? Tell me it came like this out of nothing? Okay, now you have realized you have a creator, now what shall you do with it? And shall you not worship that creator alone and with no partner? Were they created from nothing? Do you believe you came from nothing? No. Do you think you created yourself? This is no. Or did you create the heavens and the earth? They don't have yaqeen. They're not sure. They have ideas. Well, maybe this happened. Maybe something happened. Maybe this atom came. Maybe this... Scientific thing came, maybe this happened, maybe They're not sure about it, they don't have a yaqeen in it They're not confident about what really happened And until now if you ask the most genius physicist about the history of the universe He says, wallah, we don't really know anything We don't know anything, we just have idea Maybe it was like this, maybe it was like that Perhaps it, something like this happened There's a theory it could have been like this you're not sure about it. You're not confident. You just have some ideas. The Quran tells you distinct, clearly, distinctly, where you came from. Look at what is around you. Look at your natural inclination, your fitrah, to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Now realize that you have a Lord. You have a creator. And when you realize you have a Lord and a creator, you have to worship him. You cannot believe I have a Lord and a creator, but I'm not going to worship him. If you have a Lord and a Creator, now you have to worship Him. There is a hadith uh, which is worth mentioning. Uh, it's a very nice hadith. The hadith narrated by Imam Ahmad from Anas radiallahu anhu. He said, He said, we were prohibited from asking the Prophet We mentioned this uh, in one of our speeches. I, we mentioned it recently uh, in the... When did we mention it? We mentioned holding on to the sunnah. We mentioned on Tuesday about the prohibition of asking too many questions and uh, making the religion hard upon yourself. So Anna said we used to love when someone from the, the Bedouin you know, people, someone who lived in the desert, they used to come and they used to ask the Prophet, not the one who used to come and just shout, and the one who used to come and they were... They were intelligent And they used to ask a good question He said we used, to, we used to all listen We used to love to listen What question is this person from outside going to ask A man from the, the You know the people, who, the, dwell, the people who dwell in the desert He came And he said Ya Muhammad He said O Muhammad Innahu atana rasuluk he said, your messenger came to us, meaning you sent someone. And he told us that you here, uh, 
za'ama, it doesn't mean false. Za'ama has different meanings. Sometimes the word za'ama, it means uh, like a false, like mistakenly believe. Here it doesn't mean that. He said that you believe or that you are saying that Allah has sent you. Qala sadaq. He said he spoke the truth. Qala faman sama. He said, who created the heavens? Qala Allah. He said, Allah. Qala faman al-ard? Qala Allah. The Prophet said, Allah. Who created the earth? He said, Allah. He said, فَمَنْ نَصَبَ هَذِهِ الْجِبَالِ وَجَعَلَ فِيهَا مَا جَعَلِ Who is it who made these mountains upright and made on these mountains what he made? The Prophet said, Allah. قَالْ فَبِالَّذِي خَالَقَ السَّمَاءِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَنَسَبَ هَذِهِ الْجِبَالِ اللَّهُ أَرْسَلَكَ He said, by the one who created the heavens and the earth and made these mountains go up tall, did Allah send you? Qala na'am. He said, وَزَعَمَ رَسُولُكَ أَنَّ عَلَيْنَا خَمْسْ صَلَوَاتٍ فِي يَوْمِنَا وَلَيْلَتِنَا Qala sadaq. Qala فَبِالَّذِي أَرْسَلَكَ اللَّهُ أَمَرَكَ بِهَذَا He said, your messenger has told us that we have to pray five times in a day. In every 24-hour period, we have to pray five times. He said, yeah, he told the truth. He said, by the one who sent you, did Allah tell you this? And then he continued through the zakat and the, uh, he continued through the zakat and the hajj and so on. And each time uh, he said, he told the truth. Then the man went away. And when he was going away, he said, He said, by the one who sent you with the truth, I'm not going to do anything more than you told me. Five prayers, zakah, and so on, the fasting and the hajj, you told me this, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm not going to do anything less. I'm not going to do more. I'm not going to do anything less. The Prophet said, "In sadaqa la al jannah." If he spoke the truth, he is definitely going to go to jannah. So it's nice that he asked about those things. He asked, "Who created the heavens? Who created the earth? Who created the mountains?" Okay, Allah. Now he's trying to put the Prophet in a place. He wants him to. He wants to say, "Okay, if you're saying Allah, then are you saying that Allah sent you?" So he first asked him, who created the heavens? He said, Allah. Who created the earth? Allah. Who put the mountains? Allah. Okay, the one who created the heavens and the earth and the mountains, he's the one who sent you? He said, yes. And so on. So that's a nice hadith that reminds you of, of this point. We nearly finish, inshallah. فَذَكِّرْ إِنَّمَا أَنْتَ مُذَكِّرْ لَسْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ بِمُصَيْطِرْ Remind the people. For you are one who reminds. You are not someone, you are not musaytir. Uh, you are not someone who compels them or forces them. And you're not somebody who, who forces people. Your job is not to force people to accept or not. 
your job is al-balaghul mubin fadhkir remind the people tell the people convey to the people in the best possible way inma anta mudhkir what your job is your role is is to convey the message that's what it is remind the people that's what you have to do you are only a reminder someone who came to remind the people your job is al-balaghul mubin give the clear message you're not there to force the people you're not there to force the people you're not there to put iman in their hearts one of the meanings of musaytir some of them said they said the meaning of musaytir you are not in control of them you're not the one who puts iman in their heart innaka la tahdi man ahbabt walakinna allah yahdi man yasha you don't guide who you want but allah guides you don't guide who you love but allah guides who he wants so that's why the prophet was told not to he was told not don't stress yourself over these people when they're not becoming muslim it's not your job to put iman in their heart your job is to convey and this is also a very important lesson in da'wah your job is to give the message it's not to put iman in people's hearts and wallahi many people i've met in da'wah i would even say a huge number of people they did not understand this they continue either they compromise they change the message of islam they try because they have this idea that i have to put iman in that person's heart la wallah your job give the message of islam give it فذكر. Remind the people what Allah said If they want to take it فَمَنْ شَاءَ فَلْيُؤْمِنْ وَمَنْ شَاءَ فَلْيَكْفُرْ Whoever wants to believe, let them believe Whoever doesn't want to believe, don't believe But you're going to now taste the punishment of the choice you made That's how it is Now here This is uh, Yani Ibn Kathir and others, Ibn Kathir mentioned from Zayd, he said, لَسْتَ بِالَّذِي تُكْرِهُهُمْ عَلَى الْإِيمَانِ You're not the one that forces them to have Iman. That's extremely important. It's very, very important. There is a, a nice point Ibn Kathir mentions here. He mentions the hadith Umirtu an nas hatta yaqulu la ilaha illallah. Famous hadith. I was commanded to fight against the people until they say la ilaha illallah. I have a question. How do you reconcile between this and between not compelling people? Lesta alayhim bi musaytir. La ikraha fiddin. Okay, leave la ikraha fiddin. Maybe you say mansukh. No problem. Let it be. But. Some of the scholars, they said, لا إكراه في الدين الآية منسوخة بآيات الجهاد But it's not, it's not the case. There is a way to reconcile between this. How do you understand this hadith? أُمِرْتُ أَنْ أُقَاتِلَ النَّاسِ I was commanded to fight against the people حَتَّى يَقُولُوا لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ
No doubt until I was to, to, and you fight against them until they recognize. But how do you reconcile with that and the idea that lesta tukurihuhum ala al-iman? You're not forcing them to have iman. It's very easy. Think of the word in the hadith. Umirtu an uqatil al-nas. I was commanded to fight against the people. Even in the same land, you're not, you're not a, you're not a mukrih. You're not there to force them. The fighting is, is between when the believers are fighting, they are not allowed to fight the believers. So they are fighting unbelievers. But when they made shahada and they become Muslim, that's it. They, they are fighting become haram for Allah. Mm, that's also true. That's also true that we they are fighting the. Yeah, that's it. So this fight is different. It's not for Iman. This fight you are, it allows you for defending yourself, to defend in your land. You are allowed, but it's not to, to, to make them enter Islam. Uh, mm. it's, very, it's very difficult to say this in a way to get the balance right. Did we have a suggestion on YouTube? What you said is correct completely, but it's, you have, there's a wording. It's very difficult to get the right word. I'm going to mention three points. What Sheikh Jawad said is completely correct. I'm going to mention three points. First of all, the hadith said, Umirtu an uqatil. And it didn't say, Umirtu an aqtul an nas. I was not commanded to kill the people. To put a sword and say, Become Muslim or I'm going to kill you. But I was committed, I was commanded to fight to the, so the word of Allah becomes the highest. Yani, and f- this, that's the first point. So the first point is the hadith says uqatil and it doesn't say aqtul. I was commanded to fight. I was not commanded to put a sword on someone's neck and say become Muslim or I'm going to kill you. The second thing, this fighting, what is offered to them in the beginning? What is offered to them is one of three things. Either you accept Islam or either you pay the jizya and you stay with your religion, you stay a Jewish Christian, but you pay the jizya, you pay a tax, and the Muslim army will look after you, they will not, nobody will harm you, you will be protected, you will be a citizen of the, of the country, you will be looked after, and you pay a tax to cover the costs of looking after you. Or, you choose to fight. If you choose to fight, nobody is telling you that you are forced to become Muslim. You choose openly, you made a decision, you're going to fight, okay, they're going to fight. But nobody is putting a sword on your head and saying, if you don't say la ilaha illallah, I'm going to kill you. No, it's, you had a, first of all, you had a choice. You had a choice, either you accept Islam or either you pay the jizya or either you fight. And if you fight, you fight for yourself. And you're like, it's not, no one is forcing you to accept anything. But they're telling you the consequences. And the consequences are different from the choice. It's not ikra to say there's consequences. There are consequences when you don't decide to become a Muslim. There are consequences. You're going to have consequences. But those consequences, nobody is still forcing Islam upon anybody. On an individual, and to that particular individual. So those are some of the things uh, that they mention here. 
But exactly what you said, the, the purpose of it is for, as you also said, the purpose of it is, is for the religion of Islam to spread. It's not the case that it's only for a defensive reason, but it's for Islam to spread. That's the purpose of fighting. The purpose of fighting is to make the word of Allah the highest and to make the words of those who disbelieve the lowest. Those who there is an agreement with, a pact with, and a, a, a treaty with, they don't fight in the first place. And they had, the Prophet had treaties with many different groups around Medina and Hijaz. He had many different groups he had treaties with. He didn't fight against them. He didn't fight against them. As long as they keep their side of the bargain, you keep your side of the bargain. Allah loves those people who are pious. So it's, there is no compelling here. That's what we wanted to explain. I think that's important to understand. The big uh, question here is this word illa, except. Illa is really important for you to understand, especially for those who don't speak Arabic. Uh, for those who speak Arabic, uh, the key thing here with the istithna is, is it muttasil or munfasil? Is this word, if it is muttasil, connected, it means the, the same as except in English. You are not going to compel them except these people. Meaning you're not going to fight, you're not going to force them except these people. Are you with me? And if it's muttasil, here then what it means is, it means, The one who turns away and disbelieves, you are going to force them. But if it is munqati', it comes with the meaning of, uh, like the meaning of lakin or however. However, the one who turns away and disbelieves, we're going to punish him with the greatest of punishments. So the, the correct opinion here, generally speaking, most of the, the ulama, they held the opinion that it's munqati' here. It doesn't mean that you are forcing the people who disbelieve and turn away. But what it means is, it means that however, those who disbelieve, however, the one who disbelieves and turns away, we're going to punish him with the greatest of punishments. However, some of the scholars, they said that it is connected. But they didn't hold it to mean the... Uh, they didn't hold it like that. They held it to relate to the ayah, فَذَكِّرْ إِنَّمَا أَنْتَ مُذَكِّرْ إِلَّا مَنْ تَوَلَّى وَكَفَرُ You're going to remind the believers, but the people who don't believe, they're never going to benefit from your reminder. They're never going to take your reminder. But it seems here that the meaning is مُنْقَطِعِ Meaning that the correct meaning is, means however. It doesn't mean accept. Here It means something closer to however um, And that's how it's translated in the, in the translation However, he who turns away and disbelieves And the meaning of illa here is Lakin And not illa meaning Anta musaytir ala haula That you are the one who is controlling and, co and forcing these people It's not like that Illa man tawalla wa kafar Allah will punish them with the greatest punishment. 
This ayah, إِلَّا مَنْ تَوَلَّى وَكَثَرَ The ulama, they use it as a dalil for one of the nawaqid of Islam. One of the things that takes you out of Islam. Does anyone know which of the nawaqid of Islam they use this as a dalil for, as an evidence for? إِلَّا مَنْ تَوَلَّى وَكَثَرَ فَيُعَذِّبُهُ اللَّهُ الْعَذَابَ الْأَكْبَرَ Generally, the scholars mention 10 things that take you outside of Islam, right? It's not like there's nothing else, but they mention 10 major things that take a person out of Islam. Which one do they use that this is a delay for? إِلَّا مَنْ تَوَلَّى وَكَثَرَ Sorry? أَعْرِدَّ عَنْ دِينَ الْإِسْلَامِ they do, but they don't mention ridda in one of the, like in the ten, they mention it like they have a different way they explain it. You're right, you're right, the one who leaves Islam. But they mention it. Yeah, they don't mention it in that, you're right, that's one of the ten, but they don't mention it, they don't mention it in, uh, in that one either. They mention it in kufr i'rad. They mention it as the dalil for kufr i'rad. The one who turns away from the religion completely. So it is ridda, but they call it, what they call it is they call it i'rad. La ya'malu bihi wa la yata'allamuhu. The person who doesn't do any of the actions of Islam. They don't pray, they don't fast, they don't come to Jumu'ah, they don't do anything. And they don't make any effort to learn Islam. This is what they call kufru i'rad, the disbelief of turning away from Islam, and this one is the one the ulama they mention for it. إِلَّا مَنْ تَوَلَّ وَكَثَرَ فَيُعَذِّبُهُ اللَّهُ الْعَذَابَ الْأَكْبَرَ. But there are other evidences as well. Uh, the ayah in Surah Taha, "مَنْ أَعْرَضَ عَنْ ذِكْرِي فَإِنَّ لَهُ مَعِيشَةً ضَنْكَ," and so on. But this is one of the evidences they mention. إِلَّا مَنْ تَوَلَّ وَكَثَرَ Uh, last part of the uh, Allah Azawajal mentioned فَيُعَذِّبُهُ اللَّهُ الْعَذَابَ الْأَكْبَرِ إِنَّ إِلَيْنَا إِيَابَهُمْ To us will be there إِيَاب Ibn Kathir he said مَرْجِعُهُمْ It will be where they will come back to ثُمَّ إِنَّ عَلَيْنَا حِسَابَهُمْ Then we will take them to account for their actions and we will give them rewards if it is good, I will give them recompense. If they've done something good, we'll give them good. And if they haven't, then they will get what they deserve. And that is the conclusion really of the whole surah. After all of this, after you mentioned now, all of the, you mentioned, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned, Allah mentioned the situation of the people of the fire, the situation of the people of Jannah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned the signs in creation that lead you to worship him. Allah mentioned that the Prophet is there to remind, he's not there to compel you. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned the punishment of the one who turns away. And finally the conclusion is, all of you are going to go back to Allah. All of you, Allah is going to take you to account for what you've done. In khayran, فخير. And if it's good that you have done, then you're going to get good for it. وَإِنْ شَرًّا فَشَرًّا
And if it's bad that you've done, then you're going to get recompensed for that. So that's the final message of the surah. After you've been told about what is in Jannah, what is in the fire, the punishments, you've been told about it. At the end of the day, it comes down to that. Every one of us is going back to Allah and every one of us is going to be taken to account for what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, what we have put forward for ourselves, whether good or bad. Did anyone have any questions? Any questions on the... Oh, I have to wait, I have to wait, because it is a 10 second delay, so I have to wait like... Five sec, ten seconds before they get the request. Is there any book that compares the logical evidence from the Quran? Yeah, uh, Imam al Sa'di, uh, he has a book called, uh, it's called something like Al Adillatu wal Baraheen fi Ibtal. Aqeedat al-Mulhideen, something like that, very close to that. It's by memory. I don't remember the exact name of it. It's, I'll find it for you now. It's called something like, uh, something like that. It's a very nice book. It's called. Very, very, very good book. Uh, somebody recommended one of the mashayikh. I don't remember who is it. When I asked him about it. I don't know if it was Sheikh Abdul Razak or Abbad. I asked him. I don't remember if it was him or someone else. But I asked him and they, they recommended this book. It's a very, very good book. The undoubtable evidences and clear proofs for destroying the foundations of atheism. It's a very, very, very good book by Imam Sa'di, rahimahullah ta'ala. And he mentions many of the, he mentions many of, uh, many of the evidences. Is there an English translation? <laughs> well, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not good with English books. Uh, let me see. I, I, I'm not sure. You have to have a look for it. If it's not, we, maybe we have to do one sometime. Because I went through a while of wanting to... I'm sure I think I asked Sheikh Abdul Razak about it. I wanted to, like, I want to understand how do we give da'wah to atheists. Because you see the mutakallimun, the people of ilm al-kalam, the way they give da'wah to the atheists is it, it, puts more, it brings more problems than it solves. Maybe that guy will become Muslim, but maybe the one who called him to Islam will leave. That's how, like, mutakallimun like this. Wallah al-Azim, look at Jahm ibn Safwan. Jahm ibn Safwan, he had a debate with the Indian uh, philosophers, the founder of the Jahmiyyah. He had a debate with the Indian philosophers. Like this, yani, like, he caused more problems for himself. To the point where he denied Allah's names and his attributes and all these things because he put himself in a situation where he tried to prove logically that Allah exists. And in the end, he had no choice but to deny everything from Allah's names and attributes. They, they fall into disbelief. And subhanAllah, it can be like that. Maybe the person who hears the argument will become Muslim and the one who said it will become a disbeliever, subhanAllah. So it's a very serious situation. I think it's much, much better that a person 
looks at what's okay. Yes, the Quran was not generally uh, speaking to atheists. Would you agree? The Quran mostly is speaking to people who recognize uh, Allah is the creator, but they don't worship him alone, mostly. But there are ayat in the Quran that address those people, the mulhideen, the atheists. La wallah. In, in the nawaqid of Islam, there is no excuse. Not joking, not ignorance, no, nothing. There is no udhr bil jahal in this. And this is like, if a person turns away from their religion and they don't make an effort, that's why they said, look at the condition he said. He said, مَنْ أَعْرَضَ عَنْ دِينِ الْإِسْلَامِ لَا يَعْمَلُ بِهِ وَلَا يَتَعَلَّمُهُ He doesn't act on it and he doesn't try to learn it. So if the person says, look, I'm a new Muslim, I'm not doing what I'm, but I'm, lear- I'm trying to learn, okay, you know, the, maybe the person has a chance. But we're talking about someone doesn't make any effort to learn, doesn't make any effort to do anything. For this person can't be described with Islam in the first place because they're not doing Islam. Leaving off actions in Islam. Wallah, this is a, a long topic. Leaving off actions in Islam. Um, and really this is a topic for another day. You know, we want to talk about what the ruling is of someone who leaves off actions in Islam. And when do they become a disbeliever or not. This is a topic for another day. Because it's a big topic, to be honest. There's a lot of things you have to understand in it. And... Uh, you know the ruling of the salah, hukum tarik as salah, the one who leaves the salah, are they disbeliever or not a disbeliever? Um, but uh, this is something that needs a lot of detail. So maybe in one of the aqidah classes we can go through in some detail, inshallah, because it needs, it's not a one minute answer. But generally we advise people look, that uh, there is a difference between takfir al muayyan, making takfir on a particular person. And the concept that something is kufr, leaving off all of the actions of Islam is kufr. But does that apply to individuals? This is where it gets more complicated and you need more uh, details, tafasil and things like that. If this jannah is cursed, is it wrong to seek happiness in this world? Seek whatever happiness in the dunya you want that is not at the expense of your deen. SubhanAllah, someone likes to eat chocolate or ice cream or something like that yani from time to time. It doesn't do you any harm. Allah didn't prevent you from it. But don't do something that harms your deen. Don't do something that harms your deen. Yani like, uh, Allah described the, the dunya as a mata', a temporary enjoyment. There is no, you know, no issue with you benefiting with something Allah has given you to benefit from. But don't do it at the expense of your deen. And the word mal'una here, cursed, it means ba'idah an rahmatillah, far away from Allah's mercy. And it's not, it's not going to get you Allah's mercy. What's going to get you Allah's mercy is the remembrance of Allah and seeking knowledge and teaching. That's what's going to get you Allah's, Allah's mercy. The rest of it, you're not going to find Allah's mercy out there. And you're not going to find like the special mercy of Allah. You find the general mercy of Allah, but the special mercy of Allah, you find it from Islam, from remembering Allah, from 
learning Islam, from teaching, that's where you're going to find the special mercy of Allah, that Allah is reserved for the believers. And Allah knows best. Okay. That's what Allah made easy for us to mention. Allah knows best. Wassalatu salamu ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Jazakumullah khairan for watching. Please subscribe, share, and you can visit muhammadtim.com.